Love it. We're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Jesse Rubinoff filling in this week for Justin Cuthbert alongside myself, Elish Forvar. And it is back to school, back to work, get back in your groove. The holiday weekend is over. And we start things up strong. A very important stretch for the Blue Jays ahead. Mm-hmm. They're in the midst of very winnable games, folks. This is the time to capitalize on uh, lesser opponents, to put it nicely. Alana Rizzo, co-host of High Heat on MLB Network, joins us this morning. Alana, how's it going? Good morning, you guys. I'm digging the music coming in. I mean, I don't know how you cannot be fired up on this, <laughs> yeah, this morning listening to the uh, <laughs> Alish was was moving and grooving. Uh, Mm -hmm. Alana, I want to start. um, You're a University of Colorado alum. Uh, Deion Sanders. Like, (laughs) let's get into it. Prime time. I mean, what a a, a day, what a game. And you must be so proud seeing what uh, Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes did to TCU uh, this weekend. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we even get to talk about this. I thought we were just talking Major League Baseball. <laughs> I was beside myself. Um, you know, we have not been relevant for pretty much two decades. I think Deion Sanders has made us relevant um, more in the last year than they have in the last 15 plus years. You know, to go into TCU, a team that was in the national championship last year, and to be able to, you know, throw for over 500 yards on the road, um, his son is the real deal, Hunter's the real deal, Edwards is the real deal. Um, it's just nice to have a coach that has that much passion, a mm-hmm. team that believes in him. Obviously, the fan base uh, really believes, too, because if it wasn't for the, you know, the boosters and the fan base, Deion Sanders wouldn't even have a contract. So um, it, it's great. It's great to finally uh, have a team to root for again that, you know, we've been mired in mediocrity for a really long time. So you know, it's funny because coming up this weekend, we're actually on national TV two weeks in a row, which is like, you know, so foreign to us now. But we're on Fox again this upcoming weekend, and we play Nebraska. And when I went to college there, that was the big rivalry. I mean, this was back in the day of the Big Eight. Um, you know, and Nebraska didn't consider Colorado a rival, but we certainly considered Nebraska a rival. So it'll be good to be at home uh, in Boulder. Folsom Field is a beautiful stadium. Um, it's awesome. It's, it's nice to... Uh, to feel like you actually have a college football team again. So thank you, Primetime. We appreciate it. Well, I mean, there was a pretty good weekend for NCAA football. Like last night, Duke upsetting Clemson 28-7. You've got your guys' story over there. Did you expect it to be as like global sensation that Deion Sanders is just like everywhere, right? Like he is, he's viral on every network. He's on everyone's, you can't see enough of him. His motivational speech is like, we knew he was uh, a guy full of character and full of passion, but I think it surprised everybody. And I know you probably had high expectations as an alum, but you've got to be like still a little bit blown away. Oh, no, no question. My, my thing is, okay, let's see what happens now throughout mm. the rest of the season. I mean, we've already, we've already matched our win total from last year, so there's only <laughs> one way to go, and that's up. Um, no, I am surprised. I am surprised about how popular it's been and how it is, you know, as you mentioned, viral everywhere. Um, you know, again, it'll, it'll, it's, it's fun when you're winning. Um, mm. the, the, the act gets tired if you're not winning. So if he can, you know, get us, more wins, obviously, if they can become bowl eligible, if they can, 
you know, really have a decent season. And if this is something that can continue year in and year out, it can't be something, you know, just a flash in the pan type of situation. But I was impressed going on the road at TCU, winning that game. Now, there was zero defense on both sides. Um, so that's, that's an issue. That's I always think fun, defense, though. <laughs> uh, needs to, needs to uh, step it up a little bit. Um, and obviously, 120 snaps. I mean, the kid's gassed. So you have to make sure you develop other players, too, because what happens if he gets hurt or, mm-hmm. you know, has an off week? Um, you have to make sure that, you know, they're, you can have guys all over the place that can, that can do that. So it's exciting. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about it is is more than we've been able to do uh, in a really long time. Yeah, they were fighting for viewers over the Dodgers-Braves series uh, this weekend, which was pretty electric, highly anticipated. Uh, Braves take two, uh, three of four. Um, you have some tight ones there, but some excitement. Uh, you got the, the, the two MVPs going head-to-head. Uh, did you learn anything this weekend about this Braves and Dodgers team, like how close they might be? Is there a little bit more distance than we had thought when you look at uh, the way that this weekend unveiled and, and the potential matchup we'd see in the playoffs? You know, I think what I learned is what I had already anticipated, and that is the Dodgers' the pitching depth is very strained. And it, it has concerned me all season long that this year is the first year in a long time in recent memory. And I, you know, I know the Dodgers well. I covered them for seven seasons prior to going back to Major League Baseball Network. So I know this team very well. And I, very, I was very concerned about the lack of pitching depth that they had, obviously not only with Walker Bueller being out with Tommy John surgery, even if Walker comes back in a couple of weeks. I mean, he's only going to be able to give you two or three or maybe, maybe four innings out of the pen. I mean, he's not going to be stretched out to be a starter. Now everything going on with the Julio Urias allegations, obviously, um, you know, I don't know, but with the investigation pending, I doubt very seriously that we see him pitch again this season. Um, and maybe never again in a Dodger uniform. He's a free agent after this year. So depending upon how that ends up, I mean, that's, you know, and you have some very young kids that you're calling upon. I mean, Bobby Miller looked tremendous uh, in his outing against the Braves, but you have some very young kids that you're being called upon to pitch in massively important games that just don't have the experience to do so. I mean, Tony Gonsolin is now on the IL having Tommy John surgery. I mean, your, your pitching depth, is very strange. So that just was just further solidified for me when I saw this series. And it also solidifies for me that I knew that Atlanta is by far the best team in the national league. I mean, really going back to the beginning of the season, almost wire to wire, they have shown that they um, are the best team in the national league. And what I like about what Brian Snitker is doing guys is the fact that he plays his superstars every single day. Mm. And you know where you're going to be in the lineup. You know that you're going to be playing they have the pitching depth, um, you know, and I, I, again, I think the one thing, the one area of a team that always keeps, you know, front office execs up at night is the bullpen. And so that was a little bit of a concern for Atlanta, but Raisel Iglesias has been tremendous. I think he was just a reliever named the reliever of the month. Atlanta is solid and they just have so much firepower. They have enough pitching, in my opinion, more than the Dodgers. I mean, the lineups are pretty similar. I mean, you look up and down the lineup, and you're like, wow, these two teams are really potent. But I just think Atlanta has the advantage in terms of all-around solid team. Can we talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts uh, for a second? Because, I mean, they're both so electric. Acuna, first player to have 30 home runs, 60 steals in a season. Mookie, I mean, he nearly hit... 500 in the month of August. Like it's absolutely absurd what these two guys are doing. Like in your view, I mean, it's probably a two horse race at this point. Freddie Freeman also having a a really good year, but who's the NL favorite to win MVP? 
You know, it's funny that you say that, too, because if, if I'm Matt Olson, I'm like, my God, what do I have to do? If any yeah. other year, Matt Olson is yeah. the MVP, but he also is a teammate with Ronald Acuna Jr. And then on the other side, you have two guys, you know, battling it out in Freeman and Betts, which probably kind of cancel each other out, right? There's probably like laws of attrition between these four guys because, you know, they're, they're on each other's team. Um, when I think about MVP, I think about what the words mean to and what the player means to the team. It's most valuable player. I truly believe now Ronald Acuna Jr. You can see what he's doing with healthy legs. The guy is creating his own category in the history books with 30 and 60. But what I think about when I think of most valuable player is where would the team be without that player? I do believe that now is Atlanta going to be as good Without Ronald Acuna Jr., absolutely not. But would Atlanta still be in first place? I believe so. I don't think the Dodgers would be in first place without what Mookie Betts has done, not only offensively. And, again, MVP is never a defensive award. That's obviously the gold glove. But you think about what Mookie means to the team where he can give you gold glove defense in the outfield or he can give you gold glove defense um, at second base. And then on top of that, a career high in home runs, National League Player of the Month, as you mentioned, you know, basically hitting 500 in the month of August. He also, in the week that he was National League Player of the Week, he was hitting 615. I mean, that's just disgusting in terms of the numbers that he's putting up. So I don't know that the Dodgers would be where they are without him. So right now, if I had to say, okay, who's the most valuable player to the team? To me, it's Mookie, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to criticize anybody for saying that Ronald Acuna Jr. deserves that award. Chatting with Alana Rizzo, uh, co-host of High Heat on MLB Network. Uh, just take a look at your Twitter page before we had you on. And uh, you're also a fan of the bounce back season of Cody Bellinger. Uh, what he's been able to do. I know he was a hot name at the trade deadline. Obviously got a big uh, off-season uh, thoughts around how uh, he could be a Blue Jay. Anyway, uh, big bounce back season uh, for <laughs> Cody Bellinger. What have you liked most about this stretch? And I know this weekend he's had a pretty good one as well. I think he had like a couple homers this weekend. Both games of the doubleheader at least. Uh, but it's been inspiring to watch Cody Bellinger has quieted everything down mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is he really is not even talking to national media much he's really just kind of focused on what he does best and that is when he was having his MVP type of season with the Dodgers and even a, another couple of years I mean the last year he was with the Dodgers was was pretty rough but remember he had hurt his shoulder on the celebration Uh, with Kike Hernandez after the home run in the postseason, and he never was really the same. And then I think what happened was he was trying to compensate for the physical injury, and then his mind just got Mm -hmm. messed up. Cody Bellinger couldn't get out of his own way. And I think the fact that he basically had to sign a one-year deal um, because he wasn't given the qualifying offer by the Dodgers, he had to sign a one-year deal. His agent is Scott Boris. It was basically like, okay, let's just bet on ourselves. And he did that. And he's, he's just focusing on baseball. And you can see, uh, you know, they, that cliche, that change of scenery is, is helpful. That, that worked for Cody. And he's just getting back to what he does best, and that's not overthinking. Cody just needs to see ball, hit ball. And that's exactly what he's doing, and it's paid dividends for him. And I think it will, you know, parlay itself into a nice, you know, maybe extension with the Cubs, but if nothing else, a nice free agent year where people can say, like, okay, I believe Cody Bellinger is back. And I was actually surprised that he didn't get traded at the deadline. But I'm also surprised that the Cubs are still in the hunt <laughs> for the postseason in terms of that third wild card spot. So, you know, um, I mean, they're in second right now, I believe, in the National League. So, you know, I think it's a it's 
a situation where Cody just decided to not worry about anything else other than baseball and let all of the noise kind of silence itself. And he's done a really good job with that. Blue Jays certainly could have used his bat at the trade deadline. Um, On July 19th, Alana, the Seattle Mariners were in fourth place in the American League West, (laughs) 10 games behind the Texas Rangers. And their odds of winning the division, I said this in the opening blog, stood at 2.5%. Now they're in the Mm -hmm. division lead. And there's... The same night that they were 10 games behind the Rangers, Jared Kelnick broke his foot kicking a Gatorade cooler. And and it honestly feels like they haven't lost since. Uh, Looking at the three-way race in that division with the Rangers collapse, this obviously has uh, importance to the Toronto Blue Jays who are chasing essentially all three teams. Who's the favorite to win the American League West in your eyes? God, I tell you, it's so difficult to pick, right? I mean, I, you're looking at the situation in the wild card in the American League, and you're thinking, okay, how, how who is going to win this? I picked at the beginning of the season, honestly, I picked the Blue Jays to meet the Mets in the World Series. So what the, that just shows you what I know. Um, it, you look, you look now, you're not alone Jays on that one, chance. though. Don't the worry. Jays still have a chance. <laughs> you look now at the situation that's happening uh, in the American League, and you're like, who is going to be in this in this final spot? But Texas absolutely blows me away with the fact that their bullpen has been horrendous in the month of August. The good thing about Texas is that at least if you're going to be bad, do it in August and not September. I mean, they still have uh, an opportunity here in September to make up some games. Seattle at least has the pitching, um, you know, again, and I, and I picked Texas to win the American league West um, prior to the season coming in. And I mean, that's, that could still happen, but here's the thing about Toronto that I love. Um, you have to appreciate the fact as a Blue Jay fan that you're not in the American League West because if you think about one of the most intriguing storylines in the American League, it's who's going to come out on top of the American League West, which is what you asked me. Now, that division is basically a knockout, dragout fight against one another because the Mariners have seven games against the Rangers and three against the Astros, right? Houston has three against the M's, and then the Rangers have seven against the Mariners. So they're basically just beating up on Mm -hmm. each other. So there's a lot of opportunity for those teams in that division to fall back. While, as you mentioned, coming into this segment, Toronto has games that on paper – they need to win. So there's an opportunity when the other guys in the, in the AL West are killing each other, you know, on this tightrope of a walk in the division, those two guys, those guys can beat each other up and Toronto has an opportunity to, to make up some ground. I still believe wholeheartedly that Toronto gets in. Um, I think of all the teams, if you're looking at it right now, just based on experience, I think either Seattle falls off or Texas falls off. Mm-hmm. Houston, Houston's definitely in. There's no question about that. Yeah, a lot can change in a weekend. We we went off the air Friday with the Blue Jays three and a half games back, and today we come on and they're only a half game back. A lot of uh, good fortune in the scoreboard watching, but also the Blue Jays won some games that they needed to win. Uh, we're chatting with Alana Rizzo, host of High Heat on Movie Network. Uh, they have the Texas uh, Rangers in about, what, two series is from now. Uh, that will be like a win-and-you're-in type feel if they can capitalize on the stretch of lower-level uh, opponents. Um, when you look at this Blue Jays roster, uh seems like at times they have the best pitching in baseball, but then their offense is left wanting more. And then their offense heats up this weekend and the pitching wasn't as electric. Um, you're looking at the way the Blue Jays can can get in and capitalize on the September. Uh, what needs to happen? What needs to be sustainable for the Blue Jays to capitalize on some teams faltering and them having this lighter schedule? 
Well, I think you nailed it. I think they, they need to be good on both sides of the ball at the same time. I mean, I think Kevin Gossman would really like some more run support <laughs> over the nice. course of the season that he's gotten. You know, I think that, you know, they have the pieces. It's not it's not a roster construction issue. Mm-hmm. It's an issue of making sure that everyone's firing on all cylinders. And I know, again, that sounds cliche, but it's true. You have to be able to have more of a – that's why Atlanta is so good, guys, is because they have both. They have unbelievable pitching, and they have – the offense to support the pitching staff, even if it's like, look at last night's game, for example, between, um, you know, when, when Logan Webb was pitching and Justin Steele's pitching, mm-hmm. you're watching the San Francisco Giants and you're watching the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele gives you eight shutout innings, right? Logan Webb had a great game, but it's like the Cubs actually had just enough offense, enough insurance to be able to give Justin Steele that, that victory. So, that's what you need as the Blue Jays. You need to make sure that you have, you know, I really do believe that when you get everybody healthy, the Matt Chapmans of the world, the Boba Shuts of the world, every, you know, but Vladdy needs to, to be the Vladdy that we've become accustomed to. Mm-hmm. You know, you ha- everybody has to play over their skis. And that's what, and it's difficult to get everyone going at the exact same time. And that's why baseball's so hard because it's 162 games. I mean, you can catch fire in a football season. It's hard to catch fire at the right time several times during the year when it's a 162-game stretch. So I believe they have the pieces. That doesn't, that doesn't worry me at all. It's just making sure that they come together collectively at the same time. And you do. You have to, as you know, you have to beat the A's of the world. You have to beat these teams that obviously are, are looking towards the future and, and have no, no chance of getting in this, this season. Well, you mentioned playing over their skis, and I feel like the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles, uh, two teams that the Blue Jays have to contend with in the American League East, uh, their payrolls are nothing to write home about, obviously, 27th and 28th in Major League Baseball, respectively, but they continue to get it done, uh, it seems like, year after year, especially with the Rays. And I think an interesting subplot of this season is you look at the other side of the payroll spectrum, the big money, big market teams are struggling. The Mets, the Yankees, the Padres, three highest payrolls in baseball, three teams that won't be in the postseason. But it feels like this is a good thing for baseball that like, yes, you have owners that spend, which is a very good thing, but also there's no guarantee that those teams that do spend will be good. Do you agree with that sentiment? I mean, that's been my argument for a decade. I can't stand the argument that, oh, well, they bought their championship. No, they didn't. What what money gets you is good players, but it does not buy you a championship because it doesn't guarantee chemistry. It doesn't guarantee that guys are going to play for one another. I covered a, a 2014 Dodger team that was full of superstars, and it was one of the roughest clubhouses I've had to cover just because of all these different types of massive personalities, and everybody wanted to be the superstar. And that's a very difficult formula for winning. So, yes, money does help you, absolutely. I mean, the the best players are going to be the guys that sign the biggest contracts, but that by no means guarantees anything. And and, and Tampa Bay is a perfect example of that. I mean, this is is a team that's a small market team that has, you know, kind of created the whole, I'm just going to start an opener type of situation where they've ended up having other teams model their behavior and model their system because it works. You can get quality players and not one. It's not like the NBA. It's not like LeBron James can say, okay, I want these four guys to surround me and we're going to create a a basketball dynasty or we're going to create a, you know, a a super team. You can't do that in baseball. It's it's, it's too difficult to do that. Mookie can't say, hey, I want, you know, I want this guy to be my first baseman. I want this guy to be my, you know, my, my right fielder. You can't, you can't do that. 
So it's important to understand that, yes, payroll matters, but it certainly does not guarantee you any sort of, of a championship or, you know, even an appearance in the postseason. But as you mentioned, look at, I mean, Steve Cohen has more money than anybody knows what to do with. And the Mets are really bad. So it, it it doesn't, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything other than an opportunity, but it certainly doesn't doesn't say, okay, we're definitely in. I mean, the Padres, look, I mean, that team on paper was like, whoa, I mean, they were supposed to run away with the NL West, right? I mean, they're not even sniffing the postseason this year, and they have massive superstars on that team. And they have really good pitching, too. I mean, Blake Snell is leading the National League in ERA. So, again, they have the components, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it just didn't work. Yeah, it's all about everything coming together at the right time. And hopefully the Blue Jays uh, have that uh, fortune for the rest of this month. Uh, a little bit of an easier schedule they need to capitalize on Oakland and Kansas City before that big series we're teeing up against uh, the Texas Rangers. Alana, great to chat, great to catch up um, on everything MLB-related. And we will definitely get a chance to chat with you maybe when the postseason rolls around. Absolutely, guys. Whatever you need. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. You as well. Thanks, Thanks so much. Uh, Alana Rizzo, co-host of High Heat on MLB Network. Um, as we mentioned, Blue Jays only a half game back now, uh, which is a very different vibe than we had on Friday. Three and a half games back with a big series in Colorado and a big series here in Oakland. It will be a 941st pitch tonight, so get your rest. Uh, if you're going to school today, <laughs> get home, take a little nap, and I mean, you probably have to go to bed, actually. Curfew. What time do kids go to bed nowadays? No, that's a great question. If you have a kid that's like twelve, what time do they go to bed? Please let me know. Five ninety five ninety. Nine o'clock. Yeah, they're not catching tonight. Blue Jays in thirty. While they're getting ready for school tomorrow morning, they can catch up on the Blue Jays. Kids go to bed early. Like I, I have friends that have young kids, and mm-hmm. like sometimes you just, I, I ask them like, you know, what are the, the kids, kids up? up? Like what are the kids doing? Like it's like six thirty. Like they're really sleeping. Six thirty. Seven o'clock sleeping. What are they? Like, what like, are you talking about? Are they newborns? No, they're like. Five and under, okay. I guess. Five and under. They get, you gotta get, gotta get your wow. sleep. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. Be right? big and strong. Yeah. We did have somebody text in this morning because uh, we were chatting about it being the first day of school and everybody's getting ready. Uh, Russ from Bracebridge said, got an email yesterday from my kid's school. They found black mold finishing a bathroom rhino the night before. So bonus week of <laughs> summer vacation. My daughter went to bed in her school clothes and we didn't notice the email until after she went to bed. She's going to be, it's going to be a surprise when she comes down for breakfast. Aw, that's oh, a nice way to goodness. kick it off other than the black mold. Like what? I mean, just do one, do a couple checks, maybe. Yeah. Or were they like last <laughs> night, like, we got to finish this reno. Yeah. Like, how did they just notice the black mold the night before the kids are coming? Uh, that's, that's, At least you know they what? noticed it. Sounds convenient. It. Yeah, they're probably feels, like, hey, no, like we're not, we're not done. Yeah. They're like, we're not done, so let's make some Ask black mold. Ask for evidence of the black mold, if you Goodness. could. Goodness. Um, Rick in Niagara says, this is my fifth first day of school as a retired teacher. Wake up, kids. Well, Rick and Niagara, both my parents are retired teachers, so they awesome. they probably enjoy today just not having to rush in there and set up the blackboard and figure out all the new technology that they are not good at tech so they would be a challenge for i them. have a lot of respect for teachers yeah me too like what's nice to have my parents are were teachers they you know a good family yeah like to have <laughs> teacher family like you know they, they instill a lot of good qualities in you hopefully, they know what they're hopefully doing. it rubbed off yeah uh oh someone says kids only watch youtube now no sports well, i guess you could always change that. That doesn't sound great for our industry. Yeah. Change it up. You know, we stream. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. You don't have to watch the television. You can stream it. Anyway, happy first day of school and happy getting back to the grind for everybody. Um, it is time for Something to Chew On, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. I don't know how much of a messy fever you've had. Like, Lena messy? Not, like, messy. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, have you? 
Yes, actually. Yeah? Okay, okay. Yeah. well, you're not alone. Um, yeah. It, I don't know if you saw on the weekend, um, Inter-Miami and uh, LA Football Club were playing, and they sent out this, like, I don't know if it was a press release or if somebody got, uh, got a photo of a securities press release, but a lengthy, lengthy list of notable attendees at the game. Um, Tom Holland, James Harden, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mookie Betts, um, just scrolling Will Ferrell, Liam Gallagher, Selena Gomez. She was all over the internet. LeBron James, Clayton Kershaw, Prince Harry, Magic Johnson. Makes sense. Meghan Markle, Toby Maguire, Nos. <laughs> Why did you say Rage, it like Rage Against the Machine. Nuts. Rufus DeSoul. He's big. Rufus yeah. DeSoul, that's so yeah, kind of strange. Yeah, Rufus yeah. DeSoul. Tyga. Um, Rufus DeSoul is like, isn't it like, it's like low, lo-fi yeah, yeah. EDM or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, right. he, uh, they, I don't know if it's one guy or a bunch of people. They performed at, in Toronto. Very popular. I think uh, the very first weekend of August and all my friends were there. And oh, Instagram was a mess that night. It was It was all Rufus yeah. DeSoul concert. And it was like, you know, when you see Instagram, it's like, Story, 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 yeah. story, and you have to like swipe through. Yeah. Um, anyway, this weekend, a massive weekend, a star-studded weekend, but also a part of the chew that I wanted to share is that Messi has now driven season ticket sales for almost every single MLS team, like record amounts. So FC Dallas sold more season tickets in the three weeks after playing um, Inter-Miami than any other three-week period in club history. So people saw Messi and thought, I want to be a season ticket holder, even just to see Messi. Uh, Philadelphia Union, the Red Bulls, uh, New York Red Bulls, uh, also said they have seen increases in season ticket sales since seeing Messi um, at an away game. So it's not just Inter-Miami that's profiting. It is everybody in MLS. Um, just massive, massive numbers. People want to see this guy. He's a, I mean, one of the best ever. So mm-hmm. uh, it has certainly taken fire across the MLS. For, okay, two things. Uh, number one, I just saw this too as we were talking. Um, MLS season pass had over 110,000 new U.S. Mm-hmm. signups in a single day. It's wild. On Messi's debut. Isn't he getting a cut of that too? He is getting a cut of the <laughs> revenues, which is just a, a genius idea. And have you seen this security guard business with Lionel Messi? Like he has his own personal well, security guard. somebody tried to rush the field, yeah, right? Yeah. I would want my own security guard but, too if I was Messi. Uh, yes, agreed. It's amazing. But this guy literally just walks along the field yeah. like following the angle at which he Messi is at. gets step count in, eh? It's unbelievable. That guy's I, Apple watch is happy, not w- mine on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, when you see what, you know, Messi goes to Publix in like Miami, yeah, it's a... That was it's crazy. A, it's a disaster. Like you start to understand why he needs his own personal security guard, but I mean, it's... Still weird watching one guy follow him around on the yeah, sidelines. It sure is. Uh, he guy gets gets a good workout in um, walking or jogging. Um, before we take a break, Brandon from Keswick says, my son is two and he usually goes to bed around 8 p.m. Except for Mondays and Fridays because he watches WWE Raw and WWE SmackDown. On At two Sportsnet. years old. Yeah, this kid is going to be jumping from couches uh, soon. All right, let's take a break. Speaking of parents, Rowan Barrett Sr. joins us after the break. General Manager of Canadian Men's Basketball Team, of course, a member of the 2000 Canadian Olympic team. It's going to see something special in that family uh, next summer when Paris rolls around. Let's talk about that level of pride and what Canada can do to not just make the Paris Olympics, but make this FIBA World Cup maybe one for the history books as well. That's next on the Fan Warning Show with Jesse Rubinoff and Ailish. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A iconic, incredible weekend for Canada basketball um, over 
at the FIBA World Cup, clinching an Olympic berth after a long oh, time coming. Amazing. It is a massive sigh of relief for many, but a big, big point of pride. Uh, the FIBA World Cup is still continuing. Of course, you can catch that tomorrow morning. We'll have uh, kickoff uh, coverage at 8 a.m. as they face ooh, a bigger opponent um, in Slovenia, but uh, a, a time to reflect in the middle of this tournament on something extremely special. And we have Rowan Barrett, general manager of the Canadian men's basketball team, played for Canada at the 2000 Olympics, and of course, father of RJ Barrett jo- joining us this morning. Uh, Rowan, how's it going this morning? Uh, it's going great right now. And the story of my life, I'm in the gym, all right, because <laughs> we still got a job to do here. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely a great time for, for basketball in Love Canada. That. Sure. Yeah, it is it's a very special time. Today's back to school, and I know you have uh, probably a lot of memories of this special day, get the kids going. But uh, this is a different, uh, a different morning. I'm sure it's been a different couple of days for you, seeing something really special with this team. The point of pride, the level of, um, I guess, uh, reflection that you've had seeing what Canada did this weekend to clinch a return to the Olympics. Uh, how have you been reflecting? You know what? I, I try not to do too much. I mean, obviously, we, we're still in the middle of competition and we got to get some stuff done here. Right? We have history here. Um, the opportunity uh, to, to hit the podium here, right? It's never been done um, in a World Cup here on the men's level. You know, this is an opportunity. But I, I will stop to say that, you know, I think back to starting Junior Academy back in 2012. Mm. And the story, story, guys, like I said, I'm in the practice. I'm in the practice about to start. That's all right. Um, <laughs> And, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, with, with 11 and 12-year-olds, you know? And, and now I'm looking at some of those players that we started with all the way back then, now on the court for us, right? Like, I remember watching Shea Alexander walk in the gym at 15 years old, long and skinny, these arms that went for days, you know? And we're trying to figure out, okay, what position does he play, you know? Okay, let, maybe let's put him over here. Let's put him over there. Like, I remember all of that. And to now watch these athletes grow and build and, and, and commit themselves to our country is an awesome thing because our team goes as far as our players want to take it. Mm. I manage and steward this program. I lead this program, okay? But this program, it's our players' program. When our players decide that they don't want to see people trampling on our flag, they commit, and this is what happens, right? And so I'm excited. Like, I am excited, and uh, I'm hungry for more right now. Yeah, I can hear the pride uh, in your voice for sure. You made a lot of uh, Canadians proud when they officially clinched. And to your point, there's a, a lot more here on the table at the FIBA World Cup. Um, in RJ's scrum uh, after the game against Spain, the reporters asked him what he he's, did the gritty. He's, he did do the gritty walking <laughs> up to the to the scrum for sure. Uh, but they asked him what he's going to say to you, and he said uh, he's going to say, "Dad, I'm the second Barrett to go to the Olympics." So taking off the GM hat for a second, as a parent, how proud are you that he's a part of this team and that he'll get to share that experience like you did? You know, obviously you're going to be proud, right? When you see your children um, have dreams and you see them achieving those dreams, you know, you're excited for them. You're, you know, you're proud. Uh, you have all these types of feelings, um, you know, but there is still competition, right? Because he said that he feels now that his jersey should go above mine in the house, <laughs> right? And I, and, I, and I said, wait a minute, right? Let, let, we, you got to perform to get that, right? Like you've got to beat our position mm-hmm. in the Olympics where we landed, to get that. So, you know, still some competition and something on the line there in the home. 
Uh, that'll be a, a nice image. I'm sure we'll see it on social media with the two jerseys hanging there um, sometime after next year's Olympics. Uh, but let's talk about the amount of players that aren't on the court right now that have been a part of this honor. Um, you know, the roster that performed this past weekend and is still performing at the FIBA World Cup deserves a lot of credit. But when you look at the amount of years of legwork and hard work and trials and tribulations that Canadian basketball players have gone through, are there anyone in particular that you think about that has helped this program get to this level that you know isn't getting the praise right now because they're not on the court but couldn't have done it without them you know i, I mean I, it's hard i can't mention one name because there's so many mm -hmm. just even look at the process to qualifying right we have games in november and february that we play to even qualify to get here none of our nba players are playing during that time right it's all the guys that are overseas flying their trade right where where, where most canadians don't see that have got us here Right and understanding, many of them understanding, I'm going to help a team qualify, and I'm not even going to get a chance to play in the World Cup or the Olympics probably. But you know what? I'm going to do my duty. Right? I'm going to push this as far as I can forward. Right? And then another group of guys are going to come and carry the baton. Right? And then also we said, you know what? But some of you guys will get a chance to play on this team because we didn't want to build an all-star team. Right? Of just all NBA players, we wanted to build the best team. Right? And so if you're going to do that, that means Somebody's got to muck it up under the board. Right? So somebody's got to play some defense and get down and dirty. Somebody gets the responsibility to shoot, right? But, like, somebody like Luke Stort, you think he cares if he ever shoots the ball? Like, he's thinking, like, I am going to maul you, you know? And um, I think that when we have our NBA guys in there, you also have the European guys in there thinking, you know what? Maybe for some guys, I'm sitting, waiting for my opportunity, and I'm cheering like heck on the bench and I'm reminding somebody of his assignment on the court, right? And that's what we have now. We don't have all NBA guys. We have a mixture with other players that did help us get here that were playing in November and February. So I believe there was over 30 athletes that helped us qualify during this process. And uh, this team is now standing on the shoulders, you know, of, of, of those guys at this moment. So uh, our program's going really good. I think the, the culture is the right one. Guys, don't forget that maybe five weeks before we started, you know, we changed coaches, right? We, we had to change coaches. Yeah. We had to bring in a whole new coach here. But I think it speaks to the culture and the commitment of our players that we could switch gears, bring in a new coach five weeks out, and still accomplish the task, and right now still looking for more. Yeah, well, why don't you take us through the decision to bring in Jordy Fernandez? Because by all accounts, he has done a remarkable job in such a short amount of time here. And I think probably Nick Nurse deserves a, a lot of credit for getting the team to this point. But it feels like Jordy now has been able to take them over the top and clinch a spot in the Olympics, which has uh, been a long time coming. So just, just speak to bringing Jordy in and the decision to, to have him be the guy to lead this, this team. Well, well, you know, look, when I saw there, there were some rumblings of some potential trouble with, uh, with Nick in Toronto, you know, I started getting on the hype, right, just in case. Uh, and, you know, I, I looked all around the world. I had many conversations with many coaches kind of all around the world and just kind of stood pat and waited and just kept communicating with Nick. How are we doing? What's going on? I, you know, I'm good. I'm still coming. Everything was good. And then the moment when he said he couldn't do it, um, I had already gone, gone down to like three candidates by that point. Did all my interviewing and did all that. And the second he said he was out, I think within four or five days, we had the new coach signed. And so, uh, you know, for us, you know, it was really, really important to have someone that under first, that understood how to handle NBA players. 
it's a very big thing that I cannot overstate. If you don't know how to handle them, it won't matter what you're saying. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how great your technical ability is. If they smell that you don't understand them, they will tune you out. And so we had to get somebody that had experience and understanding in that, but then also dually have a tremendous understanding in FIBA, right? And Jordy is somebody who is Spanish, grew up in FIBA. His formation is in this game. He understands the referees. He understands the crowd. He understands the style of game of the different teams. And when you think about it in the end, we have to go through Spain, the world number one, to qualify. Okay? Who better to help us do that than somebody who was actually on their staff a few years ago, right? Knows all the players, knows the coach, knows his tactics, knew everything. And I think it was definitely a competitive advantage for us, right? And we needed all of it to get past Spain. And so, uh, you know, definitely it's been a good hire. Things are working really, really well. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, for us, our objective has been to get better every day. And we had two goals here. We've accomplished the first one, and we're back at work trying to get the second one done. Yeah, it looks like Jordy Fernandez has uh, definitely learned how to push the right buttons quickly with this team, flipping the script mid-game. Uh, we see the huddles. They're full of passion, and the guys are certainly responding well. Uh, we're chatting with Rowan Bear, general manager of the Canadian men's basketball team. So you mentioned achieving half the goal. So check one box. There's still one massive one uh, looming. But I wonder if, in your perspective, that this might like help Canada feel like, okay, we can focus on what's at hand. We've done the big thing. We're going to Paris next year. Like Book the flights. No problem. But is this going to give them a little bit more of uh, maybe like a looseness, like a focus, a dialed in on what's at, at hand here? Uh, maybe help getting one hurdle all the way just helps you dial in on the FIBA World Cup and what's ahead. Well, well absolutely. Look, look, I'm already talking to teams about exhibition games next summer, mm. right? And so, like, you know what I mean? We're already on it. Uh, uh, you know, most of my work is done by the time we get here, right? Once we get into camp, I, you know, the coach takes over. I step back and I let the coach control his environment and have autonomy within his environment. If I see something that needs correcting, you better believe I step in there and make sure that happens. But for the most part, our team, our culture, our operations people, they're grinding it. And, uh, look, I loved it when I was playing, right? You're on the court two, three hours a day, right? Then you go back, you relax, you lay down. Not in this job, right? Not in this job now, right? You're going all the time. So we're already looking forward. I definitely think it helps Michael Bart, uh, President CEO. He's just done a tremendous job helping us to build this and uh, the treatment of our athletes, the way that we fly, the, you know, the places that we stay, just all the things that he's been willing to do, work and lock and step with us. Now he has a full year to go after the sponsors. And look, we need the corporate community to step up here, all right? We've got Canadian boys that are out here putting their lives on the line, it feels like, for some of them, you know what I mean? Because if you get hurt, right, like, you know, you go back to your team, maybe they recruit over you, they put somebody over you, you lose your position, right? And these guys are out here giving it. They're committed, they're in, they're performing. Now we need Canada to help us, right? But, you know, we've had on the podium helping us, which has been great. We've had some sponsors, Sun Life and some others that have jumped in, and the Cavs and a number of other sponsors that have helped us. But, but to, to do what it is that we're trying to do, the teams that we're trying to play against, the level of support that they have builds dwarfs ours, right? And so if you really want to compete at the top level and say you really want to beat these teams, well, you've got to be able to prepare like they do or better than they do, right? And this is where the support comes in, the financial support, hopefully from our corporate community. And Bart, you're, you're right, Bartlett will, and our team will have a year here 
right, to, to, to go after it. They're not saying, hey, maybe we'll do the qualifier, and if we get through that, then maybe. No. Everybody knows we're going. Look, I've gotten calls and messages from CEOs and presidents of different companies, so I know that they're thinking about it. And, and I definitely think, you know, getting this out of the way and, and, and qualifying hopefully gives our organization, you know, a good long run of finding the support that we'll need um, to, to meet our lofty goals um, at the Olympics. You've been the general manager since 2019 and the assistant general manager prior to that. When you and your staff are now sitting together in a room and you're trying to decide, you know, what is the ceiling here for this group? When you look at whether it's the FIBAs or eventually getting into the Olympics, when you look at those two tournaments, what are the goals? You put on the whiteboard. This is what we want to accomplish. What are they? What is the number one thing that you, I would presume that the getting back to the Olympics was number one. But I also think you probably have goals that are higher than that. So what are they? Well, I, I do think, first of all, <clears throat> if you're going to ever win, you have to be competitive. And so any event that you know, our country uh, enters into with me here as a general manager, we're entering into win. So, you know, that's our first thing. Like, we want to win. Um, I, I do think that uh, we're here, obviously, because of the whole structuring within FIBA. Uh, you know, you need to qualify so that you can get a chance to win. And so obviously we had more than one goal. Winning is a part of that. Getting onto that podium and making history for our country, you know, is big. Uh, You know, I do also think that how we do it is very important, right? Because we have an opportunity to inspire people when we play, right? You you, you have to be involved in something that's bigger than yourself, right? Look, look, I mean, Shea, I think his contract is 170-something million, right? Jamal, you know, these guys, RJ is over 100 million, like, you know what I mean? I think what Lugans is over 80 million. Like, like these guys are very, very successful people, right? Why are they here? It's not for money, right? And they play and get paid, but it's not for money. They don't get paid here, right? They're here because they want to be involved in something that's bigger than themselves. And they understand that they can use their ability to inspire others, impact people in our country. And so that's always something that's in the mind, you know? in terms of how we go about our business. Are we on time for every meeting, you know? Are we pushing and giving the best that we have because we understand there's going to be some kids like me, right? I was that kid. I was watching our team play in the Olympics, and it's when I realized it's the first time I thought, wow, you know what? I could do that for my country. And I was running track. I was playing football. I was doing all these different things. But when I saw that, I said, man, I'm playing basketball, Mm -hmm. right? I was inspired by what I saw. And so, you know, our guys understand that they have that responsibility, right? And they want to represent our country, you know, in the best way as well. And I think just lastly, from an organizational perspective, what am I always looking? I'm always looking at our culture, right? I'm always looking at our culture. And I think that, you know, know, I'll let you in on it. For us, our mantra in this tournament has been body blows, right? In quotes, body blows, right? Like, People are looking at our team. They see all these NBA guys, and they're thinking, you know, wow, you know, they, they got this big all-star team. Look, we're number 15 in the world, mm. right? We're not, we're, not, we're not entering as some sort of conquering hero. We're actually the underdog here, right? That's the mentality that our guys came in with, not with some sort of prima donna. Like, we're underdogs here, okay? We're not coming in like Mike Tyson with one blow and knocking you out, right? So it was body blows and body blows. That's how we were going to have to play so that you lower your arms so that we can give you that overhand right, you know, yeah. in, in the 10th round or whatever it was. And so that's been our mentality, and I think that's what you saw with Spain, right? 
Yeah, they had us on the, almost on the mat, right? And we just kept hitting them and hitting them and hitting them and hitting them, and finally they broke, right? And so that's kind of been our mentality here. Um, the Canadian grit and resilience, um, you know, is definitely on the mind here. And, uh, you know, we're hoping to go out there one more time tomorrow and, uh, you know, and get that going and make history again. None of our teams have ever finished higher than sixth in the World Cup in our history. Well, let's keep yes, making history tomorrow, for bro. sure with, uh, with the right. Paris Olympics, yep. a check one box off, but uh, still a lot at hand here in Canadian team. You mentioned it is a great culture, but they've had that relentlessness, that fight. Um, it seems like uh, they're the team rolling with the momentum going into these important games ahead. Uh, Rowan, really appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on part mm-hmm. one of this story, but I know there's a lot to be written and um, I'm sure you guys will, will be uh, ready to celebrate when this is all done um, at the end of this tournament. So appreciate you jumping on and enjoy practice. We'll chat soon. Congrats, Rowan. Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. That's Rowan Barrett, general manager of the Canadian men's basketball team. And, uh, you know, a dad. He was very humble about it. But that will be fun when the two jerseys hopefully hang side by side up on the wall. Uh, Definitely will be a fun uh, photo when they do do have that moment. But uh, still, important basketball will be played. You'll be able to catch (laughs) Canada tomorrow, 8.30 a.m., taking on Slovenia. It'll be a big one, guys. I'm just going to be yelling Body blows, body blows on the TV. Body blows. Anytime it's close tomorrow against the media, just body blows. It made me think of body break. Yeah. (laughs) You know, let's wear track suits tomorrow. Our little track suits. Uh, Body break, body break. Uh, But no, that was great. He he obviously, there's a lot of pride um, in this organization, but I, you know, humbled in the fact of this is part one of a very important journey that Canada's uh, taking on. And it's not just about getting there, it's about winning. It's about getting on that podium. Um, I like that there's big expectations for this team because they certainly have the talent to do it. Uh, but yes, tomorrow morning, they'll be taking on Slovenia in the quarterfinals. That's uh, 8.30 a.m. on Sportsnet, but we have pregame coverage starting at 8 o'clock. Danielle Michaud, Sherman Hamilton, Michael Grange, and we also have full coverage of the FIBA World Cup. So, of course, you'll be able to chat uh, later this morning. I believe Canada, uh, sorry, United States taking on Italy in the semifinals. The USA lost, so it's a big one for them to mm-hmm. have to uh, dial it back. That's at 8 8.40 a.m. I can catch that a little later in the day. Before we take a break as well, Andrew Schultz, are you familiar? No. Internationally touring stand-up comic and podcaster mm-hmm. Andrew Schultz performing at OLG Stage at Fallsview Casino in Niagara Falls mm-hmm. on September 22nd as a part of his The Life Tour. To celebrate, we're giving away tickets all week long in the Fan Morning Show. Each pair of tickets will also include a complimentary buffet for two hours before the show. For two, for two before pro, the show. Promo voice. Yes. To enter, all you need to do is tune in the Fam Morning Show. Listen for our daily code word. Text it into 59590. Today's code word, Fallsview. Simple. Text Fallsview to 59590 right now to enter. We'll have another code word tomorrow's episode. You must be 19 years of age or older to enter. Details at sportsnet.ca slash 590. That's Andrew Schultz. Ology Stage, Falls View Casino, Niagara Falls, September 22nd as a part of the Life Tour. We'll have to check that out during the break. Yeah. Get- no, I, I remember who he is now. I, he had a Netflix special, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, this is a big yeah, one. So get in the text line, Falls View, 59590. Let's take a break. We've got Jeff Blair, co-host of Blair and Barker, joining us on the other side. It's Jesse Rubinoff and Ailish for our Sportsnet 590 The Fan.